Greetings. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm wonderful. Welcome back. You know, as I was pressing start on this thing, I was like, I feel like I haven't pressed that in a while. Right. You know, and, and last week was the first time you pressed it. Did you have any issues uh, going live last week? No, but you know, it, it was one of those deals where I was like, yeah, we'll see what happens. And then the, the let's go. And like every single week, you look at the timer and an hour has gone by and another show is done. I, so. I texted you this uh, after because I, I watched it Thursday or Friday um, while your episode while uh, while making dinner. And I was like, oh, that was a real like solo episodes can be hard. Yeah. I thought you did a really good job. So well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate it. it. It's you know, you talk to a camera for a while. You're like, what am I supposed to say? Like it's it can be difficult. Uh, I'm interested in how you define the word wellness. Well, <laughs> Ness, um, that's a great question. I, I look forward to today's guest because I guess it's super broad. I, I think that's one of these things that everybody has their own definition. Um, mm -hmm. Wellness. I mean, staying healthy and that could be mentally, physically, um, spiritually anything you know yeah. i mean just yeah. you, there, there's a lot of different ways that you can uh define it so in i don't your know first, what the right answer is in your first career out of high school do you feel like wellness was something that the air force pushed because i mean i feel like just through their test that they make you go through like i feel like that's something that like is is a priority I don't, I, you know, I, I wasn't in the military, so I don't know, but like, do you feel like that was something that was just instilled so young and that's why you've kind of pushed through that? No, I, I, I don't know. So why do they have those that. physical standards you think? Well, I think that that's just making sure that you're physically capable if you're in a combat type of uh, position, mm -hmm. but I don't know. It, the, the term is definitely taken off onto a life of its own. And, and, you know, and so one of the questions with our, our guest today is, you know, like wellness and what holistic wellness really means and everyone's got a definition and I'm curious. So welcome to the show, Madeline Beck. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing great. Good. You're from, from the better spot. Yes. Yes. Is the better spot Chicago or are you just like, or, you know, I know, did you grow up in Chicago? I or grew you, up in Chicago, so you, yeah. So you're born and raised. You've been there. Have you ever left? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I left the moment I turned 18. <laughs> Got it. But do you, I mean, is the better spot, uh, is it named after Chicago? It, like, how, how did you come up with the name type of aspect I, of that? That's a really great question. I don't think I've ever been asked that question. Um, yes. I mean, yeah. Exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> you win Thursday. I... Um, I mean, I basically, you know, after doing a bunch of research and, and, and data collection, you know, when I was in uh, my grad program to become a therapist, I just constantly kept hearing folks use the word better to describe things. I'm looking for something better. We need a better system, better, better, better. So when I decided to found the company, I was like, we need a better spot. The funny thing is the URL was available, which I wow. constantly get asked. The question I get asked is, how did you get the URL? Because everyone's like that. The better spot's a great URL. How'd you get that .com? And I'm like, I guess it was meant to happen. Yeah. There's a lot of different clever names, like the other guy, the other one, you know, like uh, 
I don't know. So that's interesting that that would be available. When I bought, um, when I started Hatch over a decade ago, we were not able to get Hatch.com. And I think it was like 25 grand. And that's when websites weren't that expensive. So if I was probably trying to acquire that now, it'd probably be six figures. I had um, HatchCityLocation.com. And I always hated that because I never wanted to be a city specific thing. And I felt like it held me back. And so about three or four years into it, we were trying to figure out what to call it. So, well, um, we would always be Hatch, but like what the domain would be. Okay. And as we're going through, we had like three or four finalists. Someone's like, well, why don't you just start with Hatch? As in have Hatch the first letter. And, I, and then he, as he said that, it reminded me of people just saying better, better, better. It was mm-hmm. like, well, wait, hold on. Maybe start with Hatch.com is what we should do. It was available you know, for a dollar on GoDaddy let's go. It's been the website since. So it's it's funny how sometimes you think a good domain wouldn't be available. And it is. Yeah, it is. Interesting. So how do you define wellness? Um, I mean, I, you know, I define wellness as integrative care, right? So that means looking at the whole human. I constantly use the phrase human first, right? So looking at the whole human uh, and identifying the things that make the whole human well. So that could be, you know, like, you know, mental wellness, um, emotional wellness, physical wellness, spiritual wellness. Um, and then also the gauge of wellness changes daily. Some, some, someday you're, you're asking me this today. You can ask me the same question next week and I may have a completely different definition because you know, what I need for wellness shifts constantly. So. And how did that, uh, so how did that come to you starting the better spot? What's the genesis of, of your company? So the genesis of the company, actually, um, when I was in grad school, I was talking to a bunch of folks about becoming a professional therapist. Like, how do you, because my BFA was in drama, right? And I kind of went through that evolution of, I'm an artist. And then at the end, when you start getting those, you know, student loan, you know, requests for payment, then you're like, oh, wait a minute, this can't just be art. It has to be a business. So it was the Mm -hmm. same thing when I transitioned into wanting to be a part of the care community of like, I'm an empath. I have all this care and now I have all of these certifications and I'm equipped to be an expert in this space to help people. But how do I make that into a business living in a capitalist society? Um, so I was just asking folks how they, how they made money. How do you get your clients? Um, you know, are you a part of a private practice? Are you department of mental health? Are you, you know, public service, whatever. Um, and folks just kept telling me all the problems that were, that they were experiencing and what they were going through. So I just, I kept hearing the same problems over and over and over again. And so I was like, well, there's got to be something for that. So mm-hmm. I Google it, Google it. And I, I wasn't finding any overarching solution. Um, and the kind of apparent thing over time was all the solutions were for the patients. Every solution that was coming out four years ago and today <laughs> were for the patients, right? Um, and it was just an irony that I realized this is a ticking time bomb when folks start realizing, oh, wait a minute, my therapist is a person too? Oh, wait, oh, wait, when when they burn out and I don't get to see them, then what happens to me and what's the ripple effect? So that's that's how I identified there needed to be help for those who help others. You know, it's interesting, I, I, when we were talking off air, that this is, you know, us meeting for the first time, it's basically like meeting at a coffee shop, you never know what's going to come up, what's going to come out type of thing. And as you talked about student loans, and and as you were getting out, 
and, and how there's going to be a financial aspect of it. Yeah. You, you know, I don't think people normally pair those, the word wellness and student loans together, but I immediately thought of that and I was yeah. like, oh, that's interesting because there's an aspect of that where you're signing away a lot of, a, a lot of cash towards your life, towards something. Mm -hmm. And that could lead towards a really negative wellness of, of humans yep. and, and has, I mean, I, I've heard stories of like people that are in their sixties and seventies and still having these student loans. Like it's, 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 I don't know how that, I don't know. That just seems very criminal. I'm starting to, me to that sweat that. just talking about it. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> there's well, a physiological right. change. The more that you say loans, debt, lo I'm like, <sighs> it, but I feel like wellness and money, maybe wellness and money are always paired, but I never put those things together, especially not student oh. loans, but like it's, it's, it's gotta be uh, a wild thing, especially with who your, you know, customers are there and yeah. they've spent a, a ton of capital to, to try and get into that spot. Like, is it just something that people aren't historically, um, uh, had available? Like, like you said, you know, four years ago, you were looking, it's not there. Like it, it it seems logical that this would be there, that sure. there would be this type of help, but sure. for there not to be, it, it seems seems ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're seeing it now, right? Like we're seeing the effects of the impact of it not existing happening now, um, because you know, essentially, like the the company is 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 a two part company, right? So there's an umbrella, and overarching, we're online and offline support for care providers. So the offline portion is we offer on demand curated space for care practitioners in 16 modalities. So, you know, that's that's just a way of saying that we're the we work of the wellness space. If you're a therapist, fresh out of school, you just got your exam, you wanna figure out what it's like to be, uh, to be a therapist on your own in private practice, the first thing you're gonna think of is where am I gonna rent space? Where am I gonna have an office? You can't do it out of your home for HIPAA compliant reasons and all this different kind of stuff. So you know, being able to go and rent a space for an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year, as you build your client space is so much more fiscally responsible for your future to be able to build it in line with your growth and your income than the expectation of, yeah, I can sign a five-year lease at X amount with this deposit, having the student loan debt, having all these other things, right? And then the pandemic happened. And investors were like, oh, you want me to fund a physical space? Thank you so much and good night. And then I was like, okay, well, holisticism, what is holisticism? Okay, well, humans exist in, in space in real life, but now we also exist in such a digital space. So I was like, there has to be a digital component. So then we started building an app to be able to create the same physical community that we're offering and create it virtually. Interesting, how, how long has, the better the better spot been in existence i mean so we we're still not operational we are going to be launching we uh launch our app next no not next week two weeks what day is it where am i we launch not on the first of not sure thursday chicago <laughs> <laughs> i think <laughs> we launch on the first of august uh the app portion and we're going to be opening a physical location in atlanta on uh, the next six to 12 months so um, but from a tax perspective, we've existed for four years. <laughs> so we've, gotcha. we, we kind of did it backwards, right? We did all of our data and research for four years, building this up so we could have something really viable and make sure we're a good fit. How do you, how did, so how did COVID change as you're collecting all this data and research? I mean, that, that, <laughs> that must be crazy. <laughs> um, it was hard, y'all. It was hard. Uh, COVID was really hard. 
from a from a from an every standpoint. Yeah. Um, but from a business standpoint, creating a physical space, a physical solution for care providers, it was super hard um, because you can't give a massage virtually. You can't have a Reiki session virtually, right? People have tried and you know things like that, and you know virtual yoga classes and all the different modalities that you know that the space is going to offer have been attempted to be virtual. And there's been some really great successes, like obviously the huge search uh, surge, excuse me, in um, mental health and telehealth and things like that. But there are a bunch of modalities where folks were just struggling and just put a pause on their careers because it wasn't applicable. So. Um, so yeah, so you know, with the difficulty of COVID, it really did force me to figure out how can we continue to care for these folks even though we physically can't be with them. And that's why the, the virtual portion was started. When you're doing data, when you're collecting data and doing research and interviews with all these individuals, mm -hmm. I'm interested in how you can actually uh, pinpoint a trend um, because oftentimes people I'll give you a scenario. So in 2013, 2014, I was talking to the city manager of, of where I live. And he said, the problem with with, with um, input from people is we mm -hmm. receive um, a handful of people that want one thing and a handful mm -hmm. of people that want this other thing. And then the overwhelming majority in the middle doesn't say a thing. Mm -hmm. So you got people that are super negative, super yeah. positive on the other, I guess it would be the other way. But yeah, it, it, in that kind of aspect. Yeah. Is data collection in that, like, it, are you getting people that just have extreme one ways that there's really not a trend towards? Like, yeah. how, how are you understanding if, if you're making kind of right, good, educated guesses and stuff like this? Um, and then think about the scenario that I just told you, too, where it can yeah. just be so, so wild. But do you, do you see stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, totally, obviously, right? There's there's gonna be there's gonna be kind of like those statistical anomalies where you just and especially also because I I personally believe we live in a very apathetic culture in general. So there's kind of this, eh, okay, maybe like this this gray space or in between. But um, the cheat code in a lot of the data that we've collected over the years, which has been a huge blessing, has been the fact that we our our niche, our community is the care community, right? We're dealing with holistic practitioners, so by, you know, by selection, by kind of this, like, just internal compass, a lot of those folks are just highly aware. Um, so it really shifted our ability to be able to get the proper data, ask the right questions, and constantly evolving. I mean, it's all just, it's, it's like the perfect mix between art and science, right? So when you start kind of hearing these inflections, maybe you shift the route of questioning and you hear something else or you hear a trigger and you kind of, and then I'm also a therapist. So as I'm having conversations with other people, I can use some of the interventions that I use within therapy to ask the, the questions that are going to lead them to be able to internalize and then give me the answers that I need for the data. I think most people suck at asking questions. So as you being a therapist in that, it's, it's, I think that's actually very helpful because yeah. you can, you can figure out to get people through that path. That's cool. Yeah. You had mentioned Atlanta. What, uh, what made you decide Atlanta was going to be a place you're going to focus on? Holy moly. Um, so the, the push for Atlanta initially was very personal and not the business at all. I had such, um, I've lived in, in California and Los Angeles for the past 10 years. Um, and that's actually where I started the better spot. So, you know, my entire network was there. My community was there. My, my wait list was all of, all of my um, LOIs, right? Uh, letters of intent for lease spaces were all in Los Angeles. 
Um, and then I came out to Chicago towards the end of the pandemic to help family because all my family's here. Um, and I was like, okay, now I have to start from scratch. What is that going to look like? What's Chicago's tech community? And I started kind of doing that internal questioning. Um, but Chicago didn't, I'm so nervous to say this because folks are going to, it didn't feel like home anymore. Mm. Um, mm. And it was heartbreaking. And I pushed against it fervently. Like that little voice was just like, and I'm like, Shh, stop, this is great. Negative 15 degrees outside. You love this. Shut your mouth. <laughs> You know, and I just, there were just different things. I mean, obviously I tease about the weather, but it's like, you know, there were different things that kept Negative 15 up. is negative 15, hey. You know, it is, it is what it is. Um, but, you know, things just kept popping up where it didn't, it didn't feel like it was a good place for me. And as a solo founder, I am the company until mm-hmm. I am not, right? So in order for it to thrive, I have to be thriving. Um, and someone else put mm. Atlanta on my radar. I love Atlanta. I was like the South. Have you ever been, what? Tim? No, have you been you. to Atlanta? Yeah, instead of negative fifteen, it's one hundred and fifteen. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But that's also Chicago in the summer. Yeah, I mean it's uh, no Atlanta's pretty cool, and I mean it is a uh, a tech hotspot, hot and it has been, and they have got great universities there. Uh, yeah, it's a hotspot. Yeah. Well, yeah. So what what is it about Atlanta that made you want to go there? So there were so many things I, I had like the very stereotypical, you know, Chicagoan, you know, bias. I won't even say Chicagoan. I, here are the cities that I've lived in, in my years on the planet, New York, Chicago, LA. So when someone was like, if you're looking for a change and you want it to be diverse and you, you want it to have a burgeoning tech environment, you all these different things, right? Cost of living, blah, 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 blah. You know, why don't you consider Atlanta? My response was open laughter. Um, So I just, I had to start looking into it and I had to get off the internet. I had to talk to humans. So I ended up kind of like doing a little research dive all over again to just really see if it was going to be a good fit for me. Yeah. Well, I believe living there is fairly inexpensive last time I looked at it. Yeah. And compared to those other three, I mean, you're talking three cities in Atlanta is probably what, six, seven, eight, somewhere in there of of Mm -hmm. the major cities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, It's funny that you lived in the top three cities. That's that's cool too. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I was gonna ask. It didn't what, help my death though. <laughs> I was gonna ask what the uh, the startup scene was in Chicago, but you kind of touched on that already. So um, yeah, I mean the startup scene's great. It's we just finished Chicago Tech Week. It's it's mm. amazing. They're coming out heavy hitters. Like there's a lot of there's been a lot of really strong investment recently in the Chicago Tech scene. Wow. So you know, but you still didn't necessarily feel like you're at home is there uh you how long how long has chicago done tech week for i mean as far as i know this was the first one i'm sure folks comments are going to correct me but um uh for for the for the one of the groups that i've been kind of uh really along with vibing with working with for the past few months um is shy tech in real life so shy tech irl um and it was their very first one and like blagojevich um, the governor was there. I mean, like they had some really great opportunities. Google did some stuff with them. Like, um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It seems like Miami tech week is the, is the one that's getting all the rage right now that gets a mm-hmm. uh, ton of, of hype and ton of press. Yeah. It seems like the upcoming, I think Atlanta already did this. So that's why I'm not going to say them, but it seems like those up and coming cities are Miami, Austin, maybe Charlotte. 
as those kind of next wave cities. And I think Atlanta was ha, has been there for the last 15 years. And has I've been Austin to conference. Been? I, I think Austin had been on. Um, I, I, I feel like people talked a lot about Austin, but didn't move to Austin. And I now think everyone okay. is now gravitating towards okay. moving there. Yeah, that, that's what I mean by that. Uh, it seems like it seems like uh, so I, oh, a guy who used to live here moved to Miami. He's like, can't believe I lived in Virginia for as long as I did. This, like, he's like, Miami is incredible, oh, wow. uh, but he loves the heat. So maybe that's that's what it is. We would be in our office. He, he, he and I share an office together and he would have like it'd be 100 degrees outside and it wasn't warm enough for him. He would still have a space heater hitting him. Really? No, he wouldn't. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, I'd be like, yo, dude, like, don't let that thing burn the office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fascinating. But every single, every city that we named, they all have direct flights, lots of, of travel opportunities. Yeah. See here, we're in, we're in the Virginia Beach area of Virginia, and uh, our nonstop flight accommodations are, are very limited. Mm. So that that's uh, something. That the, well, if you want to go to Charlotte, you're good. Got right, Pro probably. As a first-time founder of a business, uh, no, I found, no. I, uh, yeah, I've, I founded another company before. Yeah. What, what was that experience like? Um, funny, sad, terrible, all the, all the feels, all the things. <laughs> what what did like you a learn? Toddler trying to walk. I feel like. <laughs> did you learn from that for the new one, like or for yes. for the better spot, like like how, how yes. and how and how did you do that? Because you know you, you hear people often like okay you know fail often fail quick you know whatever and you know get get to that next thing figure it out. But I think a lot of people maybe go through that but don't learn anything from it. You know I mm -hmm. feel like if you're if you're gonna uh, make a mistake you have to learn from that mistake. Yeah. Like, what what did you do to improve so that uh, while building the better spot you you didn't feel like a toddler like you did before. Well, interestingly enough, so I, I, I founded the Better Spot first, and then during the hiatus of kind of figuring out what we were going to do, um, you know, before the hashtag return to normal, right? Like during that whole time when we were questioning what next steps were going to be moving forward for the Better Spot, um, I'm, founders are going to found, right? So in the interim, I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm doing all these things and we're figuring things out, but I, I still want to be actively doing something else. So I founded another company during the time that I was working on The Better Spot. Um, and that was very much a, uh, like a, like a quick turn, like you said, fail fast, fail forward type thing. Um, and that was an on-demand lifestyle company. Um, but interestingly enough, because I wasn't doing anything tech-related for The Better Spot, I learned all the things not to do tech-related for the better spot after after Fountful, which was that company. What I go were you going to follow on to Zach? You what, to that? I, I was so as a non technical founder. Mm -hmm. Sounds like mm -hmm, you've mm -hmm. built some things that um, you're building something that launches in a few weeks. That mm -hmm. it is a difficult thing that non technical yeah. founders have. Yeah. I mean, do you have horror stories in that? Because I mean, do you I, want the I, horror stories? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like I, horror stories. I don't. <laughs> it, it seems like you are in really positive mindset for something that historically I have only seen negative horror stories from. Well, so I mean, so, it's, so Zach, it's, I mean, we're not going to paint it. We're not going to. We're not going to have rose-colored glasses, right? Like, I am a therapist who has a therapist, so that's the only fucking. Way, sorry, but that's the only way that I'm able to have this like, kind of mindset. Um, so yeah, so so the horror story. The, the, the I'll, I'll give you because there's so many, but I'll give you the primary one. Um, 
while building Fountful, um, non-tech tech founder, I relied 100% on dev tech hires, uh, uh, development technology hires. Um, and I just, I, I trust, I trust implicitly until you give me a reason not to trust you. Um, and they could smell that like blood in the water. <laughs> and, you know, I, my very first experience, I, everything was bootstrapped. Um, I spent a significant amount of money um, because I was told I had to, and I didn't know any better. Mm. And I also wasn't a part of uh, a lot of tech communities where people were offering information to kind of guide me. I was kind of like, like I said, a toddler, right? I would like get up and fall and smack my face and like, okay, let's keep going. I got to, you know, figure it out. Um, and I, I coined the term like tech terrorism. So I was held hostage by three dev techs. <laughs> they were all tech terrorists. They, you know, built all the code, had all the code. I didn't know what I was looking like. I mean, it was, it's, it's the equivalent of like lorem ipsum for me. I was like, what is this? Okay, whatever. If, as long as it works, I don't care. Um, but I kept being like, mm -hmm. well, hey, I, there's a mentor that is on our board that's in, in, in real estate tech. And he was like, well, let me check it out. And so I'd be like, oh, hey, can you give me the password to X, Y, and Z so I can forward that so they can test it and see if there's an open API that can save us some money. And they're like, no, we can't do that. I'm like, but I, but I own it. So can't you just, oh, well, let us have the meeting and then we can help you. And I'm like, oh. Um, so that continued for a while until basically they were like, you paid us for the work. We're not moving forward until we get more payment and we're not. And it was mm. horrific. Um, lots of, lots of cussing, lots of crying, lots of tequila. Ooh, tequila. Um, tech terrorism. I've never heard that. I'm yeah. glad that you coined that. I like that. I dig that. I'm stealing that. Um, I will attribute it to you. I hope you don't to have to you, go though. through that. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't think I've personally gone through that. I'm thinking. Um, I don't think Tough so. Part. However, I've worked with a ton of companies who have. Mm. And I get it. Like, it's, I hear some of the stories. And I'm just like, how much money did you spend? Like, right. Uh... Are you sure that was a good but but you don't know and you're you're right. right you trust that was the five letter word like you, you do and trust was i was like literally saying that as you said it and i was like oh that's it's it's, it's and it's one of those deals it's like when you're halfway there or when you're told you're halfway there do you turn around so that you can start from scratch or you just right. go the rest of the way yeah yeah that's a tough spot yeah but mm. it looks like if you go to the betterspot.com it looks like you've learned a thing or two when you go to the team it seems like you yeah. surrounded yourself with some people to learn uh oh, yeah. and help guide you mm -hmm. do you want to touch <laughs> on that process yeah so our team expanded very better spot team expanded very rapidly after that experience i was like i need to you know have more heavy hitters specific specifically in tech if we are going to kind of be more inclusive of, of expanding in a tech direction so that's what we did like I was like, let me, um, there's a really dope individual, Mark, who uh, joined our, our board a little bit back and he is a technologist. Like, first of all, like that title, I was like, do you say you're a founder CEO? And he was like, I'm a technologist first and foremost. And I'm like, thanks, that's great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, I just, I, I forced myself to like get in a, a place of, I know what I don't know. And I've always been very confident in that and in saying that um, because it makes my decisions to identify who does know what I don't know that much easier. Um, so, yeah. That is so important. I mean, and, and it's great to see that 
you you have the confidence, you're a founder, you know what you don't know, and then you surround yourself with people that can strengthen you. I mean, yeah. and you, you don't look at that as a sign of weakness. You sh you're using that as a sign of strength. And yeah. I wish that more founders would do that. Mm. Do you feel like they don't? Wait, can I ask y'all questions or no? This yeah, is yeah, yeah. Want. Okay. <laughs> do you, like, Because that's an interesting thing, right? Do you, like To say that you feel like more founders need to do it, do you feel like a lot of founders you talk to are just like, I got this? Yeah, like I, I think that it, I think it. that a lot of them are like super alpha, and and if they if they show that they don't know something, that that's a sign of weakness, as opposed to saying, "Hey, I don't know this," and then hiring someone to offset that. Oh. Or if someone is raising money, uh, you know, they want to come across as being really alpha and not just showing that they have all the answers, so that they'll increase their chances of being invested in. But what's so weird about the whole aspect is it's in very specific scenarios. So they will absolutely hire a lawyer. They will absolutely have an accountant and a CPA and stuff like that. But when it comes to tech and business and certain aspects of it like that, I, you, you agree with that, Tim? Like they have those mm -hmm. other people, but when it comes down to these things, they're like, I am, I am God's gift to this awesomeness. And it's oh, just yeah. like, mm, yeah. And at the end of the day, and then they usually, and then they usually struggle and they never right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was like, so what's the outcome of that? Yeah. Yeah, because at the end of the day, when they try to come across as super alpha, then they, what they're really doing is showing off that they're they're ignorant and they're they're not coachable. And if so, like my point of view is, if you already have all the answers, then you don't need my help to begin with. So what are you wasting my time right. for? Right? Why am I here? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. My follow-up question was going to be, do you know if they have therapists? Because I have a wonderful network that they can build. Well, I was going to add, that was a question I had for you. It's like, gosh, if you get too involved in the startup community, I mean, you're, maybe you want to go into that. A lot of founders don't have money, but boy, you could be a therapist. You would never run out of work be doing therapy work for startup founders. I've actually been told, it's funny, I've actually been told by just a, a couple of like folks that aren't in immediate circles with me, but just periphery. They've been like, you know, why don't you do group therapy for founders? And I'm like, there yeah. definitely needs to be that. I was like, conflict of and, interest, I can't do it, but it needs to exist for sure. And uh, for significant others of founders. Yes, for real. That's that's a real thing right there, yeah. Because it's it's tough. The former journalist, um, that's what my background is in. I believe the media... I believe this because I've seen it firsthand and I've seen it in other places that they, they control a narrative mm -hmm. um, that they can push. And a lot of people trust them. And, and look, maybe they should trust them in, in, in many ways. Yeah. Uh, I think growing up, um, the wellness word um, or if you needed a therapist, it was very frowned upon. And I feel mm -hmm. like even even the media or or aspects of, of the Hollywood of Hollywood of stuff would say like, oh, if you have a therapist, you, you, there's something the matter with you type mm -hmm. of thing. When and how did that go 180 to the positive? Do you, do you agree that there was that where it's like, yeah. hey, if you have a therapist, you, you're... Sorry, was my eye roll too apparent when you, when you said <laughs> no, that? No, it wasn't. It was, well, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see it. I'm blind, even though I've well, I have them. a follow-up like, to that as well. I mean, I think that... So there's, there's, there's a couple of questions that are like, wonderfully rolled into the croissant that you just presented me. Um, so like, 
Is it is it a is it a a, a, a normal a, flavor croissant? No, it's a I nice mean, flaky buttery flaky. croissant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or okay. a little almond situation if you have <laughs> matcha on the side. It depends on what you're doing. Okay. Well, let's um, let's let's get four of those, please. I'll have two. So so um, I mean I I think like the the first part right um, that you tapped into was just just overall like the cultural position of wellness right and how people how it's been stigmatized and the narrative that you're talking about. Um, I think it's super interesting that people can think of um, therapy, first of all, because therapy and wellness, I feel like right now, just from the perspective of commercialization are seen to be synonymous. So when people say, oh, you have a wellness company, it's mental, it's a mental health company. And I go, no, I have a wellness company. It's a wellness company um, because there's 16 modalities and wellness isn't one thing. So that's like, that's like the first little thing, you know, to, to think of. Um, I think the, the second piece of that is also if you can go to a yoga class or a cycling class and like talk about it with your friends or, you know, go, you know, go to a hit class, a high interval training class and, you know, talk about it with the homies, whatever. And you're having these conversations and everyone's like, you know, getting excited about it and supporting you. Why is that any different than you going to a psychiatrist or a mental health professional? So I think that those kinds of compartmentalizations of what is, socially acceptable to be proud of in regards to wellness versus what's not is the core, right? Because people think, oh, you go to a therapy because, you know, you go to a therapist because you're going through something, but you go to the gym because you're okay. It's like, yo, people go to the gym because they're also going through something. That's why the fuck they're at the gym. You know what I mean? Like that's what mm -hmm. they're there to begin with. Um, people go to it, yoga for the same reason. Yeah. It's interesting that you brought this up. Because I remember I was watching this documentary with my dad about six months ago, and it was about Lance Armstrong. Uh, and I was, and, and it was about steroid use and stuff like that. And I was just like, look, I don't condone it, but I don't know why I don't condone it. Right. Why are, why are steroids bad? Because people will take whey protein and that seems to be yeah. okay. But this other thing is, 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 yeah. is, is bad. And I don't know why. And I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why, but like we're trusting that this person is giving us information that may, who knows why and we just roll with it and that's yeah. basically the same scenario and i'm like you know everyone hates lance armstrong because of what he did but it's like i really don't know why and and you know if i go to gnc or 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 the wellness center at my gym and i get you know some powder and put it in because someone told me to it was cool yeah it's very interesting how like that is perceived, you know, positive or negative one way, what, you know, the steroid thing or, or, or in your scenario, it's, it's, it's dictated in a way that's very, it's very unique and very odd when it's like, why, yeah. like, why is that so bad? Well, yeah, I mean, and he, he crossed the line in terms of. Sure. There's deeper th stuff. There's but Right. But, but you bring up a super interesting point, Zach, and that is in the sense of as a founder, as anybody that wants to be successful in life, you should always be looking to try to get the edge somehow. Mm -hmm. And trying to get an edge on something is not a bad thing. And, and so Madeline, go bringing it back to you and with wellness in terms of where do you think people are going wrong in terms of not embracing wellness, you know, in terms of, and therefore they're, they're missing out on an edge that they could be taken advantage of to get ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people want a quick fix. That, oh, that is so true. Amen. People want a quick fix, right? Um, wellness in all of its forms is not quick. 
by any means, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you didn't get there in one day. You can't get you can't get out of it in one day. Type exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, so so that I think is is the core of of what you just asked him is like, you know, people want something that people want something that they can define, right? That's easily definable, which I think goes you know goes back to your point, Zach, of like the difference between like a waist supplement or steroids or this or that or whatever. It's like in order for the, the, the majority, right. In order for the majority to make sense of something, there has to be, uh, there has to be something polarizing. There has to be the good and evil. That's, that's how our brains work, right. It's, it's removing the, the ability for anything to be number one, subjective or specific to a person and not something that just like everyone can clump into. And people had an issue with that. So they want it quick and they, they want to be able to check a box. And I think that that's the core of the problem. Like, Oh, I'm going through something. I'm going to do, I'm going to download this app. I'm going to do it for 10 days. And then my grief will be completely over. I'm going to download this app. I'm going to do it for six weeks. And then I'm going to have Kim Kardashian's body. It's like, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah. What's, I mean, what's we, the phrase? We've done this episode 108. This is episode like 118, I think, something like that. I don't think Kim Kardashian's name has ever come up. So congratulations. I apologize for yeah. doing that to you. I could have used it. I think you have to respect what she's done. Yeah. I mean, she's she's created all of them have created a huge name for themselves. Yeah. Like that's yeah. you, you, whether or not you agree with what they're what they do, who cares? Yeah. You have There's to some good business people. Uh, hell yeah. 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 But you know, what's the phrase? Yeah, a year ago. A year from now, you're going to wish you had started today, or something, something like that. That I mean, well, it's, it's all compound interest, right? Like I feel like when we think about the financial aspect that we were taught, maybe in tenth grade, maybe in eleventh grade, about compound interest, you put a penny in today, you know, at some mm -hmm. point it becomes longer. Uh, it's just, it's the same thing with whatever else you do in life, whether that be a blog post, whether that be starting your business, whether mm -hmm. that trying to be physically fit. If you just stack those things on like a compound interest does, it becomes mm -hmm. a lot better than it was than when you started it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I don't think that aspect of you saying it from a compound interest perspective is used in nearly enough things other uh, outside of the financial aspect of it. Yeah. And I think that if people and I think most people understand compound interest. So if, if people were to take that compound interest mindset and put it into their life, I think they would they would hopefully see a lot better success. Right. I don't know. That's just. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they also, you know, one of the things that I say like ad nauseum is we need to eliminate the word balance. Hmm. Unless you're a scientist, like I'm, I get so, I get, fi <laughs> I get we're fired. We're I get fired up. I get fired up because I'll, you know, like, do half-ass marketing. Everyone's like, you gotta do marketing, you gotta do marketing. I'm terrible at it. And I'm like, okay, let me go on LinkedIn and let me do Twitter and whatever. But I constantly see hashtag work-life balance, work-life balance, balance, mm. balance, work-life balance. And I'm just like, there is, there is no work-life balance. I was like, there can be work-life harmony because harmony is ever-changing and specific to the person, but yeah. there's never going to be an equal. I mean, it's not, the system wasn't built that way. It wasn't, when you think about the amount of time that you need to sleep, the amount of time that you need to work a full-time job to make a living wage, if you have small humans, right? If you have pets, if you have social, I mean, like it's, there's no way that you're going to look at that and see 25%, 25%, 25%. It doesn't, it doesn't exist, right? So if we start looking at that from a realistic standpoint and kind of like the compound interesting, like if we start really looking at what it is 
necessary to go from point A to point B and so on. And to eliminate the thought that there's even like an end point, first of all, mm-hmm. right? Like when people are like, what's your exit strategy? I'm like, you know, to allow my social impact to be verifiable. I don't, I'm, I'm going to ring the bell at the NASDAQ. Like, no, I, I, my, my exit strategy is to actually make a fucking difference and to keep my lights on and to keep my kids happy. Like that's, that's what I want to do forever and ever and ever. So, but that requires harmony. So anyway, that was just, I dig, I dig that word harmony a lot. I I don't use that in my vernacular that I, I dig that word. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's one of those deals. uh, If you can focus on becoming 10% better, and then continuing to be 10% better. I mean, it's just, it's not a matter of, Hey, I want to accomplish this. I want to lose 10 pounds, 15 pounds. I want to be able to accomplish something. Yeah. I want to hit this amount of revenue per year or per month or whatever the case is. It just doesn't end there. I mean, it's just, it's, it's got to, to continue. And so how do you get people to, so what message do you have with people? How do you get them to start and, and accept the fact that, hey, this is not just an overnight thing. This is something that you got to start on and continue to work at. Where do you tell them to start to establish that harmony? Like clients, like patients of mine? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I always start with the why, mm-hmm. right? So I start with, you know, why are you here? the moment that we can dig into the why, right? Because a lot of folks want to pinpoint it to a specific event or a specific person. Again, right, the need to check a box. Right, the right. need to check a box. They, they want to be like, oh, well, this person did this to me and then these things started falling apart and that is why. And I'm like, okay, so everything, I'm going to come down with a, a fairy wand. I'm going to click this person out of your life and then everything is going to be perfect. And it's like, no, 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 no. Why why are you here? Why do you want to do this? Where is it going to take you, right? So just start asking questions. I just, I ask a lot, a lot, a lot of questions and I allow them to explore the answers that they already have. A lot of times the the answers that they repress. Um, It's so much easier to deny, you know, deny what we want, especially with the thought of, well, if I deny this thing, right, if I keep this thing in the, the far recesses of my mind, um, it'll allow me to continue being something for other people. It'll, it'll allow me to continue kind of fitting in the box that they checked that I should be in. Right. And right? what it comes down to it, unless the pain is strong enough, they're not going to change. Period. No matter what you say, you Doesn't matter. They have to they have to implement the change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like. Like they, they like to be in that space because they're used to it. So it's comfortable. So they're never really going to want to. Isn't it weird? It's like, it's like people are addicted to that. It's like you see the pathway to their harmony and, and, but yet they want to, it's almost like they just, they want to stay in that pain, you know, it's just like, but until it hits a certain. Interesting. I mean, so think about this, right? Think, think of, I I, I had this conversation before and I always compare it to a bandaid, right? the longer you keep a Band-Aid on, right? There's kind of like a bell curve to it. The longer you keep it on, the harder it is to take off. But then if you go past that point, sometimes it'll just fall off by itself. So it's kind mm. of like, where are you at within, within that spectrum, right? Is it still too fresh? Do you still have this need to like, oh, I know it's gonna hurt, but I'm gonna keep going through the hurt? Or has it turned into something else and it's actually not related to, to how you started to begin with? 
Interesting. So, so with that, um, when you are meeting with, with people and you're working with folks, I'm sure that you have to have that initial conversation in terms of this is who I am, this is what I do, and this is what I don't do. So if you're expecting me to do this, I'm not that person. Right. And a lot of, so going back to the, relating this back to founders, a lot of founders are really, really afraid to have that conversation, but what they don't realize, oh, yeah. it's very counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. That it's like, if, if, cause if, if you don't have that conversation, then you're, you're going to be working with somebody to try to have, help them find that harmony. And if they don't want to find it, that's just going to make it super painful for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to a startup founder, if you bring on the wrong customer and you're working with the wrong cl- client or customer, that's painful for you. So just yeah. eliminate it from the very beginning and off have that jump. difficult conversation up front. Yeah. Off the jump completely. I, I'm, I'm transparent to a fault. Like, it's like, I'm, I never grew out of being that kid that like, whose auntie would come over and try to give me a hug. And I'm like, your breast stinks. You know what I mean? Like I was, I'm always, I've always been that person. Um, and I'm that, I'm that person now. I, interestingly enough, I really do subscribe to the fail fast and fail forward simply because time itself is infinite, but my time is finite. So I have mm-hmm. to be really straightforward so I don't waste anybody's time because I value everyone's time right but in turn I want them to value mine so I mean an example is like I just um I just hired on some contract financial analysts um again another thing that is not my my superpower and totally is theirs so my board was like hey you're about to get investment you're about to have some growth make sure your numbers fucking make sense make sure these things and I'm like great I've done as much as I can do. Let me bring in some experts from the outside. So I, I, I came down to the last three candidates and I was just like, I'm going to be very straightforward. I cuss a lot. I'm generally overbooked. So I'm late to meetings and I, I don't have time to talk to you about anything other than what you're contracted to do. If you're okay with that, then dope, let's move forward. If you need a different type of leadership or relationship, I ain't the one for you. One person so you don't talk, out, you, two other you don't want you don't want to talk about stranger things then? <laughs> Not with them. I'd love to talk about it with y'all, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that it's interesting. And I'm, I'm curious that as you continue to go down this road, I'm sure a lot of people come back to you and say, you know what? You're right. You were totally right. And then, then you can, you know, it's like, all right, I, the pain is strong enough. I'm ready to make the change. I don't want to waste any time. Yeah. I recognize you are the person. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I had one person reach back out and say they did want to work with us, which is awesome. I've never had that happen before. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope it continues to happen. I suspect know? that it probably will. I hope so. Thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's super important, but yeah, I, 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 I laugh at your last statement. <clears throat> we have producer Andrew uh, backstage and when he were, we were first talking, I was like, Hey, I'm not the easiest guy to work for, not because I'm mean, but it's just one of those deals where it's like, you're going to have a ton of flexibility and you're going to hit it, but, but I'm going to rely on you to be resourceful because mm-hmm. if I have to do the work myself, then I don't need you. So right. you need to be resourceful and you need to get, get the stuff done. Yep, and, uh, it, and it's not for everybody and not everybody can handle it. So just want to let you know up front, this is what you're up against. So you That's either it. can sign up for it or just keep on looking. And if you want to keep on looking, that's totally okay. But we need to establish that guideline up front. 
with, with the world of like work from home and remote stuff, I mean, is any of that coming into into play directly with with you or clients or, or how you're doing business? I mean, I, I obviously lockdowns and COVID challenge things, but yeah. is there anything with with that aspect that's that you've seen in the last or are seeing um, challenging? When I so when when COVID happened, I was working in Department of Mental Health, um, and so it was definitely a huge shift for my for my caseload and for me um, because naturally, right? We're humans. We we are supposed to by design be in physical community. Um, like there's whatever. There's so many like so so many stats that support that. But um, so when when we had to literally just like separate, forcefully separate from having had sessions, traditional sessions in person and going virtual. Um, it was really traumatic. It was really traumatic for a lot of my clients. There were a lot of things that happened. Um, and then just from a statistical standpoint, obviously folks that were dealing with traumas and other things, um, you know, there was a, a spike in suicidality. There was a spike in, in domestic uh, violence. There were spikes in incest. So all these different things um, that people were going to therapy for were also subsequently increasing during that time. Um, but then as time went on from a professional sense, uh, I realized I would never go back to in-person therapy um, as a therapist and also as a client myself, just because the amount of space and harmony that it provided my life um, was next level. Hmm. It was next level. I personally identify if I'm the kind of person, uh, my, my, you know, parents are, you know, in their seventies and eighties and like, so they're from that generation. So they very much instilled, like you get a good job, you keep that job until you die. And when you're at work, you, you, you don't go to the bathroom, you don't eat outside of your desk. So like I had this kind of idea of what it meant to be a strong, hard worker. And it was very unhealthy. I would go, I would have, uh, I, I would, you know, sit down, do my emails. I would have clients from like 9am until like five o'clock. I would see clients later on in the afternoon. Sometimes I would even see clients well into the evenings if it was a family session and people had to get off work. Um, then I would get home to my own family completely zapped, no capacity, um, and give them like the leftovers of me. And when they all went to sleep was the time for myself. And that was always shit. So, um, when, when I think about the phrase that we use at the better spot, right. Uh, creating a culture of sustainable wellness. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't practicing what I was preaching. Mm. Um, and that just became really apparent. My, my health was terrible, physical, mental, spiritual, all of it was just down the drain. So when I went into uh, being a virtual practitioner um, in between sessions, right. If a client was like, Hey, I'm running 10 minutes late. I'd literally go out and stick my feet in the pool. Cause this is when I was in California. Um, I would, uh, take my dog for a walk. I would just doing things and getting out and not feeling as if I had to be, you know, stifled. And also for clients, it was extremely freeing. Clients would come on and they'd be like, um, I'm really triggered today. Can we not do camera? And can I lay down while we do session? I'm like, I'm here for you, whatever you need, do it. Right. So, so there definitely was a freedom that having a virtual connection provided and presented during that passage. What, what should a person who is looking for a therapist, what should they be looking for to find the right person? I don't know. That's a difficult <laughs> question. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a super, it's a super layered question. Oh my goodness. I mean, there's so many startup founders right now that are like, huzzah, we've got the algorithm. I don't think it's that simple. Real talk. Right. I don't think it's that simple. 
Um, like is it I just said, someone that, you, gosh, is it someone you feel comfortable with? But at the same time, you, you, it can't be someone that's so comfortable that they need to still be able to tell you the things that you may necess not necessarily want to hear. You want, you're going to have to be challenged. And, and sure. there's so many people in this world that don't want to be challenged. So I, I'm just like, I don't know. I, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, man, I'm ready to go get a therapist for myself. I mean, I really think that like, right, right. That, that, that it's like life and relationships and marriages and everything I else. I mean, I truly believe it is like, like a bush. And it's like, and if you don't, manicure and trim you know you're going to have branches that are just all scraggly it's not going to be healthy and you got to keep everything just nice and neat and tidy before things just get out of control so it's Perfect. like how do you start you know i i think that a lot of people have that that challenge in terms mm -hmm. of you know so i'm just that's why i asked the question because okay i so so i think how do you start i would say the the first thing that i would you know off the jump say to anyone is you don't have to be in crisis to start therapy. A lot of therapists would actually prefer that you're not. Um, you know, th therapists and any modality of wellness, right? You, you don't want to go to a yoga class if you haven't been able to touch your knees for 10 years. Like you can, right? But that's not the place for you to start because if you would have started mm -hmm. before, you wouldn't be in the position that you're in. So I look at therapy like vitamins. Um, when you, you know, start them off, you could see a therapist, you could find therapists that, that offer, um, you know, check-ins or, or um, you know, time-based therapy, things, things that are very specific with like, these are the things that, that I want to touch on, or I want it to be very strategic, or I want it to be very, you know, specific and focused. Um, and they'll see you once every two weeks. They'll see you once every month. You can, if, if your kind of hesitation is financial, you can find therapists that take insurance. You can find therapists that have sliding scale. You can find therapists that have pro bono services because they built their business around social impact. And they actually, you know, want to be able to, to do that while also financially sustaining their own lives. So all of those things, I think starts with the why it's like, why are you doing it and start from there. And then the second suggestion that I would give is to make sure that you have some sort of, I called it in my practice, I called it a vibe check. Um, other therapists call it a trial period. Um, I always encourage clients, patients to know that just because you started therapy doesn't mean it's not a, it's not a tattoo. I mean, even nowadays, tattoos aren't forever, right? If you start with a therapist and the vibe isn't there, or you go two to three sessions in and you're not feeling connected, please stop going. Please trust your intuition, hmm. right? Because just like you said, if you're seeing someone who's supposed to be a professional, a, a person who I, I, a lot of times I call therapy sessions containers, right? And my clients come in and I'm like, this container is all yours, pour into it, right? If you find a therapist and you feel like, mm, this container is not working for me, then it's never going to work for you, <laughs> right? It's not like a coach or a life coach or something where it's like, push through. It's like, no, 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 no. You're here because you're pushing through other shit. This is not what that space is for. I do think it's interesting, you know, uh, create the foundation first, do it when you don't need it, right? I mean, building a network is the same thing, right? Or, or, or when you're trying to find a new job, it's not try to build the network. Now it's, you have this foundation that you've been building over years, go into that. And so it's, it's interesting, um, you know, from a weightlifting perspective or, or running perspective, you know, you don't try to run the, you know, the Chicago marathon on your first run, you, you do a one mile run, 
yeah. you know, to see where you are. Then you realize you're in terrible shape and then you just, you, you build things on top of each other. Yeah. And, 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 but it's true. And I think there, there's a lot of simple things that make a ton of sense that not a lot of people implement. And yeah. I think this is another one of them. And it's, it's yeah. build the foundations first so that when shit is hard, you can go into your well and be like, oh. Exactly. Here yeah, it it's cool. Cool theme today. I mean, we've touched on it on several different uh, accounts in the sense of you got to do the little things every single day to build upon it for oh, a happier yeah. future. Really interesting. What's something we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? I have a question. Yeah. And we haven't talked about this since we're getting closer to uh, to the end of the show. When you leave Chicago or when you left Chicago, what is the food that you missed or what is the ho- most overhyped food that is, oh. you know, is it, is it the hot dog? Is it the pizza? You're trying to you get know? me beat up, Tim. No, wanna... no. Because, because <laughs> you know, Chicago's known for trying, great trying to get you food a new therapist. Scene. And, um, you know, but there's got to be something that you're, you're going to miss. But we always talk about here, like in, in this part of Virginia, what is that the thing that we're known for from a food standpoint? And, and we have a tough time coming up with that, but Chicago's got a great food scene. I'm curious what your your take is. I mean, Chicago's food scene really is unprecedented, especially, you know, living where I've lived. I would say it's okay. So, so the primary Chicago food, I've, let's all say it together, is deep dish pizza. Okay, that was all by myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, pizza. I didn't know where you're going, but yeah, yeah, certainly okay. deep dish pizza for sure. Yeah. The deep dish pizza, and then obviously Chicago dogs or Polishes, like Fratillo's is the jam. Andrew says, I knew that one. Of course Fertillo's. she did. Yes. My, um, my, wife, <laughs> my wife lived there, and she, she talks about Fratillo's all the time. Yeah, Fratillo's is everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, and then, you know, and then kind of like, depending upon where you live in the city, you know, you can be like, oh, no, you know, the dip, like, you know, with a little jus, like, oh, that could mm. be the thing. Or it could be, you know, like ribs and barbecue because, you know, great migration. There's lots of phenomenal barbecue spots. And really? So it all, it all just, dep- you're surprised by that for real? Yeah, I didn't Come know. On. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Oh, Chicago barbecue is fire. Um, but yeah, so, hmm. and very different than other regions, right? Um, hmm. Not, it's all like. Is it, is it a sweeter, more vinegar, or is it uh, just unlike its own? Wet. There's no dry rubs here. There's no mustard sweet base. Wet. It's just, I mean, that's. that's I don't know where we're going with it, but yeah. So, so, so it's like, you know, those are the things primarily I would say out of all those things. Um, Cause so, someone actually think. pitched a business to me. They wanted to open up a, a Chicago based uh, restaurant of some kind in this area. And, uh, you know, and it's just, like and I said, and, they would, serve? well, I, I, you know, I just didn't, I guess oh, my bigger question sweet, I have for sweet them. Sweet, sweet, wet barbecue. Uh, <laughs> 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 yep. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm a hot dog. I'm a hot dog person. Um, I love, I love. But the one thing I'm going to say this. I'm telling you, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to get assaulted on the internet. <laughs> I do like, te- so I like ketchup on my hot dog in addition to everything else. Same. So, here. but so y'all don't understand. Like that's sacrilege. Really? If I were to bring in my uncle, because he already knows, he just tries to What's on like, a Detroit? What's on a Detroit dog? I don't know what's on a Detroit dog. Well, you I talked about how either. the hot dogs there aren't there. I know, Detroit, sorry, Chicago. Sorry, I'm sorry, say, sorry, why Chicago. would we call it Chicago? I don't know why I said Detroit. <laughs> I'm like sitting here, like, what do you mean? We just talked about hot dogs. Um, what's yeah, on a so, Chicago dog? So, so, so you start with the poppy seed bun because that's the core, right? Poppy seed yeah. bun specifically. Um, you got to do a kosher dog. 
full length of the bun. Don't give me any shorties ever. Mm. Um, and then you got to do um, your green relish, your green sweet relish. It's neon green, very mm. alarming, but amazing. Um, you got to do your sport peppers. You got to do your fine diced uh, chopped onions. Mm. And then you do your mustard. And then I wow. do my ketchup and then everyone pretends that I didn't go to the restaurant with them because I asked. <laughs> so, and well, you're probably brought up on this as like from the time that you were able to eat a hot dog and not choke. Yeah. yeah and I would always ask for ketchup and they would not give it to me. So, <laughs> so then when I was able to get wow. it for myself, I would just eat it. <laughs> well, and well, Atlanta, you know, I think they, I just, I don't know why. I mean, I think Chick-fil-A e immediately, but I don't feel like that's like the Atlanta food, but I guess fried chicken, it would be, what is the Atlanta I food? I, have, I don't know. I would I'm think excited to chicken. find out. I love to eat my way through every city. So whatever it is, I'll be well, able what's to What's your tell. favorite city? Oh my goodness. <sighs> um, so I set you up, you could say Chicago, there it is to, to win back everybody. But uh, yeah. outside of Chicago, what was your favorite city? Oh, she didn't say it was. It's not even home I, anymore. I love I, I'm still in Chicago. I, I don't. I haven't left yet. Um, but it doesn't feel like home, you know. Um, I love LA. Do you? I really do. I love LA, um, but I also love New York, and I love them for very different reasons. So I don't know. I feel like the older I get, right? Like the like if if you would if you would have asked me before I turned thirty what my favorite city was, even though I was living in LA at that time, if you would have asked me, I'd have been like New York City, hands down. And then by the time I was 35, I was like, no, it's definitely Los Angeles. So, wow. I don't know. Well, great success over the coming weeks, months, and years with The Better Spot. It's been an, a you. wonderful 60-ish minutes with you. And uh, hopefully we uh, continue this conversation um, many, many years moving forward. Thanks. Thanks so much, y'all. Yeah. I appreciate it. Wish it's you the very best. You. Thank you. Talk soon. Peace.